Uh, so, uh, man, excited about the day, excited about the chance to share with you guys again. Uh, I will be with you this morning, this evening, and um, just been praying for you guys in the church, praying for Brother Jerry, Miss Mary, just, just holding him up and agreeing with God. And at the end, we'll anoint a, uh, um, a prayer cloth, and we'll, we're going to send that home. We're just going to believe that God's a healer for, for Brother Jerry. Amen? He's at work in him. Um, so excited to have uh, Barry back. Uh, so I missed him last Sunday. Glad he's back up leading. And uh, man, listen, we just rebuke this old virus in the name of Jesus. Amen. Rebuke it off our homes, off our families, off of the, the, our leaders. We rebuke it off of our nation as a whole. Amen. Uh, and we take authority over it in Jesus' name. And uh, we move forward holding up the banner, right? Holding up the banner of Christ. Because that is what most of this is against. Amen? It's just against the proclamation and, and the declaration of Christ as Lord and Savior. And so we just hold up that banner and we hold it up true and faithful uh, as believers. Today I get to, um, I just very had a very different thing dropped in me this week uh, as far as how I wanted to minister and deliver the message today. I, uh, I want to talk about, I, I want to share a thought about life choices, okay? Um, and I, I'm, I'm calling it life choices because I think everything in life boils down to two choices. I, we, I think we can narrow everything down in the scripture to two choices, two very clear choices concerning life. Um, when we think about the man Jesus, okay, when we think about who he is, uh, which would include his teachings, his ministry, uh, his healings, his unconditional love that he expressed to all people, we got to make a decision about this, this thought. Whose son was he? Who, who was this Christ? Uh, and when we take time to consider who he was, um, I, 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 years ago, I, and for years, I've read Max Licato. I love Max Licato. Just, I mean, I'm one of those guys, I'm, believe it or not, I'm a fairly emotional person. Um, I can read a book, and I can cry just tears, crocodile tears reading it. Uh, and I can, in the next sentence from Max Licato, be laughing my head off. So that's what I love about him, is it, it's so... Um, powerful his words uh, and how he ties in the message and the, the life of Christ and one of his writings I'm going to read to you what he said concerning um, Christ and who he is I, I just won't take but a second this is a quote from one of his books a probing question a properly positioned question the what is answered by the who what we think about Christ cannot be separated from whose son he is Jesus never asked what we thought about his teachings, opinions on social issues, or his ability to lead people. After three years of ministry, hundreds of miles, thousands of miracles, and innumerable teachings, Jesus asked who? Who's, who do men say I am? Who? Not what. What do men say about me? No, that's the, he didn't care what men said about him. He wanted to know who men say that he was. And Jesus asked us to ponder not what he has done, but who he is. I mean, that's the ultimate question of Christ. Who is this Christ? And so, so the two choices have 
two obvious responses. We either wholeheartedly accept or we half-heartedly reject in this day and time. We either wholeheartedly accept who Jesus is or we half-heartedly reject. And I use that half-hearted mindset because I think, I think that, look, we live in Alabama, folks. We're in the Bible Belt. You just can't come out today and say, I just, I, I, that Jesus is stupid. No, no, we gotta, we gotta just sort of half-heartedly reject. Ah, yeah, I go to church. Somebody say amen. That's right. I'm, I mean, you know, I'm, 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 I'm doing everything I can. Um, when we look at, so I want to get into the message and give you some thoughts going into what I want to present to you on about three points today. When we look at the life of Jesus and you take time to read the scriptures and involve yourself in the story of Christ, the message of Christ through the gospels, when you read about the right and read the writings of those who had lived with him, walked with him, and even beyond that, those who had had been involved in from Paul to the persecutions and the, 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 the events that took place. So when you read the life of Christ, you, you can feel the passion in him. You can, you can hear, you can hear his, his laughter at the children when they were singing around him. You, you can tell that there is a life in him that is about those that are around him to the point that you can, you can I believe if you read it and you read it in its truth and in its message and uh, in, 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 the, in the experience of the moment, you can hear him weep over Jerusalem. You can, you can, you can sense the agony of him in, in Gethsemane. You can, you can look at him and feel his pain over the fact that, that the price he was about to pay was was more than comprehensible, but it was the only way to pay. It was, it was, it was the only way. Um, Jesus knew what had to be done. We're going to talk about that. He was born for a purpose, and nothing could change his mind. His, when we talk about Christ and his life, his life was going to culminate into the events that surrounded the cross ultimately in the end. So he, he lived this life, he was raised, he was taught by good parents, he reached a point where he understood his calling, it separated him from the crowd, he answered that call, it set him apart as a spokesperson for God, the anointed one, the Messiah. And as he walked through those three years up to the cross, it became very evident that... Um, he was, this was a man that's, that, that was so loved. I mean, literally, he'd have the biggest social media following on every platform out there today. But he ends up alone, all by himself. He ends up um, at that point because of the events that happened in his life. And because of those events, we have hope today. So I'm going to talk about that. Um, we got two choices. Uh, I'm going to get into some scripture with you. We're going to put Ephesians 1-4 up to begin with. I want to, if, if we're honest with ourselves this morning, though, I want to take a second and talk about this. We'll, we admit it's becoming more and more difficult. I think if we were honest and we sat down one-on-one separate from the crowd, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be something that would be agreed upon 
each one of us is getting more and more difficult to be faithful in a faithless world. It's getting more and more difficult to be faithful in what we see as a rising faithlessness in our world today. There's a faithless mindset movement. Because the Christ life, if we were honest about it, Christ life demands change of the toughest kind. I mean, literally, whenever we talk about living for Christ, it means turning from the things that come easy. It means turning from the things that are natural urges. It means us literally being transformed. As a matter of fact, um, we have to remember um, the ability to freely choose to say no to our urges is what makes us distinctly human. They don't put dogs in jail for rape or murder. Why not? Because they, they, don't, they don't have the ability to say yes or nay. They don't have, they, they're not human. We are. I am. And I have this ability and this, this, this thing that I know that, that creates in me this opportunity to say yes or no. And that yes or that no is what makes me human. It's what makes me happy. I had to say no. I shared this last Sunday night. I had to say no a second time to a company that I was having trouble with in my business. And that second time sort of set me free. I, 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 I was happy saying no. Somebody say amen. I mean, it's hard to say no. It's hard to say no. If you're business and you're relying on income and you need the work, it's hard to say no. But at the same time, I recognize I got I to gotta say no to this for my own peace of mind. Amen. And so that's what makes us human. That's what sets us apart. Ephesians 1, 4 says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. He chose us to be holy and without fault. Cho- the Choosing the live Christ or the Christ life, let me get my words right, choosing the the Christ life, choosing to live for Christ in this day and time is choosing the hard life because it aims at softening our hard hearts. We're submitting to something that's going to change us on the inside. And man, nobody knows about the inside but us. We don't want people to know about us. I mean, you know, I, I... I'm way too open with my life, right, Debbie? I mean, I just tell anybody anything. I make Debbie so uncomfortable sometimes. I mean, she's from a family of 10 brothers and sisters. They had to hide stuff. (laughs) They had to hide stuff, right? I mean... Gosh, I could go into so many details about that, but I won't because they may come and visit one day, and you say, "Oh, you're the one David talked about." So I can't do. I don't want. I won't, don't want that to happen. Yeah, yeah, bless. <laughs> I'm gonna need it just because of this. But, but, but when we look at this, it's a hard life because it has. It, it's it, it, it's a, it's. It's a life that changes us on the inside, and that's hard sometimes. I mean, we sort of like who we are secretly. We, we're comfortable with that, what we know and no one else does. Uh, we, we, don't want, we don't want our laundry hang, hung out in public. Uh, 
And, and we know that to go through transformation, some of that's going to happen. And in more than that, it's not that the public would see it. It's that we all of a sudden realize God's seeing it. And God's aware of it. And look, I, I, I say this all the time. Look, you can't hide something spiritual from the, a God who's spirit. So don't think you got anything hid. God knows. He's aware. He, he loves us enough that in his awareness, he sent Jesus to become our incredible redeemer. I say all that to get to this. One of the hard facts of Christianity is that we've got to admit we've, we're fallen, we're sinful. God's word reminds us of our imperfections. And when we look at it, I, I, I can't, I, I, in my preparation this week, I came across this statement, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. It's not that it's been tried and found wanting. It's that it's been found really hard, and I'd rather not have to do that. I'd rather not have to be set apart like that. I'd rather not have to go through those transformations. I'd rather not have to own that. I'd rather not have to admit to that. And, and, and so this morning, I want to take you to a passage that sort of sets the stage for what I believe is the foundation for Jesus' life. It's in John 8, 58. The scripture makes this statement. Jesus himself said it. I tell you the truth. Before Abraham was even born, I am. Say, I am. I am. So, so Jesus was saying here, I am. I have been. I always will be. I am. I am. I am the source. I am the sustainer. I am the satisfaction for life, for, of your life. I am. I am what you're looking for. I am what you're desiring. Uh, that statement was made, and man, the religious people went nuts over that. I mean, it's like preaching holiness today. Folks get so uncomfortable with that. Uh, setting a standard up here, you know, because, I mean, we can go through the stats today, and there's so many people that just believe that there's so, the bar is so much lower now. Oh, grace will cover all that other stuff. Yes, grace did cover it when I got saved, but now I'm called to a holy life. And so what we begin to recognize is, as we look at who he is, who Jesus is, who he says, I am, then what we begin to find is, um, it wasn't, this wasn't the only time Jesus said, I am. He says it seven different times in the book of John. I'm not going to cover all seven of those. I just want you to hear this thought right here. What does the statement, what does this statement, what does I am, the statement I am mean, and how does it apply to us today? How, does, how, do we, how do we apply it to ourselves? Well, first is this. Jesus, for first it means Jesus is the source of life that we all seek. Look, we're all looking for something. Everybody out there is looking for something. The people you work with, the people you live next to, folks sitting on the road right there with you, your, your brothers, your sisters, your children, I got, I've got three boys, one of them's married, we've got a grandchild, the other one's uh, engaged to get married January 2nd. Uh, I don't know where seventh brain went. I, I got it, though. I got it. Okay. May, yeah, that may have been, I don't know. Anyway, just excited. So, uh, um, everybody's, everybody, everybody's looking for something. They're looking, they're, they're looking for a source. They're looking for something. They're seeking something. And, and John 1 tells us in verses 1 through 4 something about that. Let's, let's, let's listen to this. 
In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. It's so clear throughout the scriptures using this verse and you could go on and on that Jesus is the source of life for us. He is the source that we're looking in and seeking for. Uh, society today tells uh, doesn't have a very high regard, it seems like, or tells us this day and time that human life's not that important. We know, we know that the, there's, the government has financed and supported for years abortion. We know that there's been a push for years to elevate euthanasia, which, by the way, the word euthanasia, which is um, putting to death our elderly. We know that the word euthanasia is, the meaning of euthanasia is good death. There's nothing good about putting to death. Let, let me die. Let me live to the day Jesus says it's time. That could be today. I have to be prepared for that. But we recognize that there is this idea, there's this mindset around this, there's this practice that seems like that there's something good about death. There's really nothing good about death. There's, there's, it doesn't, for the mother that goes through abortion or the, the woman that experiences abortion, they, the, the reality is there's, there's nothing good about that. There's haunting memories and thoughts that eat them from the inside out. There's nothing good about the thought that we're going to make some more room in the nursing home. I mean, let's, I mean, it's, it's all about space. It's all about room. It's all about, it's, it, it, the motive is wrong. The purpose is wrong. And so what we begin to recognize is, is that there's nothing good about death except if you're a born-again believer, you get to go be with Jesus. Amen? So, so, so Scripture's clear that there's an existence after this life. Uh, again, we've got two choices. It all boils down to I, I would almost say I get I, I actually have a choice of one life over another life because I, there's going to be something after this, people. Amen. There's something after this. There's something after this. My dad passed away a few years back, and he's in another place. He is living, and he 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 is he is waiting for that resurrection. He is he is in a good place. It was a good death for him. Yeah, that was a good death because he knows, he knew Christ. He, he, he understood the love of God. I've told this story before about my dad. One of the things I love the most about him is when he'd come over, he loved going to the hunting club with me. He'd been retired. Uh, physically, he had reached a point where he couldn't work anymore and had a heart attack, had surgery, was at, took retirement, uh, lived several years beyond that several years but every year he'd come with my brother-in-law to hunt with us and he'd come over and as he got older the thing that i loved the most is we'd be laying in the bed in the bunks in our cabin and and i can remember we'd tell everybody good night we'd all get ready getting ready to go hunting next morning we'd turn the light out and daddy would start praying out loud man everybody get quiet they quit breathing i mean these guys quit and he had prayed for 
everybody. I mean, everybody. I, I can't tell you some of the, I don't, I don't even know who the people's names were he was praying for, but he would pray, and he would just pray and bless them and pray and help them and pray, calling names, and he would pray. And, man, I'd just fall asleep listening to him praying. I mean, he, that was his prayer time. Um, I never have asked Mom, not that it didn't matter because she probably fell asleep like I did, but never have asked Mom, did Dad go to sleep every night praying out loud because, buddy, every time at the hunt, I don't know if he's trying to convict us or what, but it works. <laughs> Amen. It works. Sometimes that's the best conviction is you just need to look at somebody and say, let me, let me pray with you about that. And just call heaven down on him. I mean, come on. So here's, here's where we are. We've got these two choices. It's not over life or death, even though one passage, and we'll look at it in Deuteronomy 30, mentions that. It's, over, it's more over a life and life. It's, it's, my, my choice is eternity. My choice is eternity with my creator who loved me enough that he sent his only son who because of his love for me and his purpose in life, was willing to make, give sacrifice, become the sacrifice for my sin. Or, or I could choose eternity separated from the love of God. My goodness, I don't want that to be anybody's choice. So I'm, I'm preaching this today because I want you to hear this. I want you to understand that you have a choice. I have a choice. We get to choose. It's not life for any, it's not death for any of us. It's a passing from one life to the other. And for those who choose Christ, it's passing from, from mortal to immortal, the scripture says. From, from, from corruption to incorruption, from, from, from natural body to spiritual body. We, we, matter of fact, society may not value human life, but God does. Look, look at this scripture, Deuteronomy 30, 19. It tells us this, God spoke to the Israelites to us uh, and, and I believe to us even today in this. Today, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now, I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. So, so you're going to make a choice. I mean, let's face it. It's not, like you, you, it's not like you don't make a choice. By not choosing, you choose. Amen? So half-hearted rejection is a choice. Oh, that you would choose life. Oh, that you would wholeheartedly choose Christ so that your descendants might live. So this goes so much further. There's so much more to it. How do we choose life? By choosing Jesus choosing him the second thing that becomes so clear now I'm going to skip one of the verses I'm going to go to John 6 is this the second is that it means Jesus is a sustainer he's not just the source of life for all that seek he's the sustainer of life for all the things that we need look I don't have a need that Jesus isn't concerned about I, I don't have a need that Jesus is. I'll never forget one of my best friends uh, after I graduated uh, from high school and went to college and I knew this guy and he, he was, one day he was telling me how, 
how God had just been so present in his life through a sickness that he'd gone through. And he said, I'll be honest with you, I've never known God to be this concerned about me. And I said, well, he's concerned about everything. I, I believe that. But he said, no. He said, you don't understand. I, I, I had been in the bed. And I got up and he'd been really sick. And he's got a girlfriend that knows him well. But he, they were engaged to get married. And he said, I had gotten up that evening and just was, he, he said, I just, I just thought to myself, Man, if I could just, I wish I just had a Frosty, a Wendy's Frosty. And he said it wasn't 15 minutes his girlfriend pulled in and got out. She come walking up the door and knocked. He opened up and she was standing there and she said, I don't know why, but about an hour ago, I felt impressed to go get you a Frosty. So, God's got what you need him before you need it. He's the sustainer of life for you. He's the sustainer of life for Brother Jerry. He's the sustainer of life for my mom. He's the sustainer of life for those who are struggling. He's the sustainer for all the things that we need, anything and everything. You name it, God's already aware of it. Whenever I think about who he is and what he what he represents, John 6, 32 through 35 makes this statement. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you the bread of heaven, give you bread from heaven. My father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me and will ne- whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty again. They had need, and before they even knew the need, God had provided. Jesus says, "I am." What do you need today? What is it you, you need? Forgiveness of sin. He's got it. You need, you, need, you need hope in a dark time. He, he is the hope. You need to lean into him. I read one time that, that, that um, it, it, it talked about just me and worry and what that results into. But when it, then it, it talked about in this piece that I was reading, me plus worry plus God, or prayer is the word they use, plus prayer equals peace. So, look, he's there. He is the sustainer of life. He's the one who offers you the hope that you need, whatever it is. I mean, let's talk about this. Let's admit it. Some of you, so I'll say this right quick. Probably some of you have been thinking about lunch since service started. I mean, I have. I didn't stop eating breakfast, and I'm telling you, I'm hungry. So I had the thought of lunch while I was down there singing earlier. I mean, I thought, I wonder what. So I got to stay focused. So I, I, I focus back on the singing. So some of you have been thinking about it. And some of you have been looking at your watch thinking, my goodness, I hope he doesn't go another 30 minutes. Because you got thunch on your mind or you're not enjoying the message. Whatever. I'm good with either one because I've been there for a short period of time. I've been sitting out there listening. So, so, so I've got that experience now as a, as a, as a lay person. And so I, I understand the struggle there. I, 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 I want you to hear this. No one can live very long without food, right? No one can live very long without food. I've done some fasting in my life. I've, I've, I've done short fasts. I've, I've done a few long-term fasts. Uh, 
I remember the first 40-day fast I ever went through. Uh, I remember dropping down to about 163 pounds. And I remember Debbie wondering if I was going to survive, you know, because I was committed. I was, man, I'm doing this. And so I can remember us going, and this, this is embarrassing probably for Debbie, but I'm going to tell it. I remember us going to, 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 to um, Golden Corral, and I remember them having the buffet. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh, see, we're talking lunch now. Y'all got this. <laughs> I remember going to the buffet, and I remember us going, and the boys just packing their plates, and me going over there and taking that ladle and straining that juice off the top of that chicken noodle and pouring it in, straining and pouring it in, because I was doing a, all, all liquid, nothing but liquid. I can remember doing insuring the last 10 to 12 days of that thing, just so that I, because I got scared I was going to die. <laughs> so, you know, you do whatever you can to survive. But I was committed. I said, Lord, I'm committed. All the way up to, uh, I did this fast all the way up to an event that we were going to. And I remember, I remember at the, we, we went to an event in St. Louis, a prayer gathering that was happening across the nation. That was one of the locations. And we got there and I took about 30 guys with me to that event, and we got there, and I had the sheriff of Shelby County with me, a man named James Jones, and he had gone on the trip, and I had convinced him to fast seven days, and he had made, he, the seventh day was going to be the last day, that last, that night, and I remember him standing out in the motel lobby, and there being some fruit in a bowl, and him going, when? <laughs> and I looked at him, I said, if you can't make it to prayer, eat eat an apple stop he grabbed that apple i think he ate corn all <laughs> i i know i know you can't live without food folks you can't live without food people die every day from starvation god provides food for life for those who ask and it's more than that yes he provides physical needs and all but man he is the spiritual answer that you're looking for he is the sustainer of spiritual life. He will give you what you need. I'll go through a few things here. God sustained the children of Israel during a famine by sending Joseph ahead of, and make, to make preparations. And once, and, and, and once re released from Egypt's captivity, God sustained the Israelites for 40 years in the wilderness by sending manna from heaven. God sustained a widow and her children by sending Elisha to multiply the last bit of oil she had. God sustains the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the animals in the field, and God sustains us. I mean, he sustains us by providing our every need, whether physical, mental, emotional, spiritual. How many of y'all been in a point in your life where you were like, oh, gosh, you were just so, so low, and all of a sudden somebody texted you or called you? That's God. Just a couple of weeks ago, the company Debbie works for, there's a lady that her husband's a little high risk in this stuff and so he he's been staying home and 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 so she's been home a lot she's not been able to come in she can work from home but debbie said i woke up that morning and just thought i just need to send a text and so she sends this text just speaking some words over this lady and the next week she comes in the office and she goes straight to debbie and she says hey i just want you to know i mean it's like god it's like you've been you've been having a conversation with God about us. What that was that was so timely. We could not 
have asked for anything more defined to be said about us and over us and to us than what she said. Which means, and I'm going to go ahead and say it, she's the more spiritual of us. So I'm just making sure y'all are clear on that. But no, she was very obedient in that. And she answered that, and it meant so much. God was sustaining them. Jesus has made that possible for us to experience that in our personal lives. He is the sustainer of life for everything that you need. Let, let, me, let me get to the last thought. I asked you earlier, what is the statement? Before Abraham was ever born, I am mean, and how does it apply to us today? Well, the third thing I think it means is Jesus gives satisfaction of life here and now. He gives satisfaction of life. He is the satisfier of your soul. He is the one, he is the one who makes it to where a, a person can say, I've been, I've been high and I've been low. I've, I've been hungry and I've been full. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen them begging for bread. He is my satisfaction. He is your satisfaction this morning. It doesn't take long when we look at the world today to see folks seeking satisfaction. They're looking for it every way and everywhere, every how. People think power will satisfy. People think possessions will satisfy. They think pleasures will satisfy. And the scripture says they do just for a moment. I mean, we're not denying it. I wouldn't deny it. I wouldn't act like, oh, pleasure won't satisfy. It gives you a little rush. Man, I, I'll talk to y'all right quick. I'm going to tell you, I, I'm a thrill seeker. I love it. I love it. I was sharing with Brother Roy out there. We were looking at the missionaries on the board in here, and I pointed out uh, Joel uh, Marbet, who is our, who is the jungle missionary. We, I took a team of men uh, two, uh, three years ago now over there, and we had an incredible trip, but we went deep into the jungle. We went up about four different river veins on boats to get back into this place. And we, I mean, we, we, we carried our MREs, we packed our gear. I mean, it was, there's no running water. Well, there was, it was in the river out there uh, where we bathed, by the way. Uh, so, so there was, it's, 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 it was wilderness. I mean, it was jungle. It was interior. Uh, and I love that type of stuff. I love it. It's, man, that's so satisfying to me. I've been with Austin to, uh, on, on a mission trip. We had a great time, but we had a hotel to stay in. I, I will say that night, the first night, though, there was, there was gunfire around the hotel. Uh, and David Strahan, our fearless uh, men's director uh, for the state of Alabama, who I was rooming with, had left our door unlocked. And I got on to him about that. You should lock the door. Only to find out after breakfast, when David didn't go to breakfast with us, and he was sitting in there in the little kitchenette with a refrigerator, he had put his Diet Dr. Peppers in there. If you've never tried it before, you should freeze a Diet Dr. Pepper. They will explode. So there wasn't actually gunfire. I had woke to a Dr. Pepper exploding in the refrigerator. But for me, 
A pop's a pop, guys. I'm up. I'm laying awake the rest of the night. I go in, check the door. It's unlocked. He's in the bed snoring. I'm like, my God, our lives were at risk, and it's only a Dr. Pepper, it turns out. But anyway, so you, I, I love adventure, and I'll make adventure even out of a Diet Dr. Pepper blowing up. But that, that's the whole point. Look, I mean, we, we love, we love, I mean, we love to invest time and energy into the attempt to find satisfaction. Money can buy your house, not home. And education, as we've seen recently on the news, but not wisdom. A bed, but not sleep. Influence, but not respect. Medicine, but not health. A spouse, but not love. Quiet, but not tranquility. Those are different. Look, even the Beatles knew money can't buy you love. I took, y'all, I took a lot of y'all back just then, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> the things of this world can't and won't satisfy the void that we're trying to put life into. The emptiness, the hopelessness, the things that we're struggling to discover and to find and to fill that void with in our lives always, always boil down to we need a relationship with God, and he's made that possible through Jesus. Christ, attacked, Christ came to satisfy our hunger, our thirst. He came to fill that void. He said, he, he said I'm the bread of life. I'll close with these few verses. It's in John 6. goes a little further in 48 through 51. Here's what he said. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Think about that for just a second. I mean, God provided, but it still still didn't change the course. We're all going to die. If Jesus doesn't tarry, if Jesus tarries, we're all going to die. It's to prepare for death. It's what we're called on. And he says, I'm the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna. God rained it down from heaven. But there was still a point where there was a choice that had to be made by them. And they had a choice of life or death, blessing or cursing, the scripture made clear. And that's what he's talking about here. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. And he was saying, look, they ate bread from heaven, but not the bread from heaven. They had, everybody had provision, and you're going to get provision. That's what he's saying here. And there was enough bread for everybody in the wilderness, and there's enough bread for everybody today. He said, I am the bread. I'm enough. I'm the, I'm the satisfaction of source and point. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I offer, which I will offer so the world may live, is my flesh. That's communion, folks. That's communion. It's whenever we take a cup and we we take the bread and we we recognize his flesh was torn. His flesh was sacrificed so that today as I take this bread and I drink this cup, 
I'm reminded and I witness to the world that I got a satisfaction that you don't know anything about, that it would be good for you to discover. Let's pray. God, without you and without our Christ, your son, the one who made a way for us, we are empty. We are hungry. We are thirsty. We are longing. We have no satisfaction. We struggle for substance. We need you. There's a void in every person that can only be filled by God. It's a God space within us. And today we take time to recognize that if that space is empty in anyone in this place today, and they're trying to fill that void, that space with things of this world, those things cannot satisfy what only Christ can. Only Christ can. Your word just told us, and Jesus himself spoke these words, I am the living bread. So it's not like we haven't just had fun discussing hunger. It's the reality that there's a hunger within each one of us, placed there by God for something that's eternal, for something that's immortal, for something that's, that's incorruptible, for something that goes beyond this life. And because of sin and because of shame and guilt and because of all the things that are heaped on us, it's hard. It's hard to wholeheartedly accept, wholeheartedly commit. But today, today, like every day, you offer that. You offer forgiveness, strength. Hope, you offer it to every person here. Life eternal. Sure, it's going to be a hard life. It's a difficult one because you're going to change our hearts. You're going to, you're, you're, you're going to soften this hard heart. But God, it's so worth it. It is so important. It has eternity. Connected to it. An eternity with you, not without you. A freedom here and now, though. A satisfaction here and now. Lord, I don't regret the day that I surrendered my life to Jesus. I'm not saying all the other days since then have been easy. They haven't been. But man, as I'm nearing the end. <laughs> as I'm nearing the end, I realize how big a choice that was for me. Sure, I think I've got years upon years left, but I recognize I've lived a life, and in that lifetime I've lived, the best days have been the days that I have lived surrendered to you. Waking up hopeful, waking up with purpose, 
waking up on mission. Waking up knowing who you are. And I say to every person here, answer, answer Jesus' question. Who do men say that I am? Answer it this morning. Answer it for yourself. Answer it with a statement with your life that says, you are the son of the living God. You are the lover of my soul. You're the forgiver of my sin. You bore my sorrow and my shame. You hung on the cross for me. You have shown me what true unconditional love is. Answer the question so that your children and your children's children will have an answer. Answer the question so that those that work around you and that you interact with and engage with each day can recognize a difference, can see the difference that Christ makes in a heart and in a life that's wholeheartedly surrendered to him. Don't stay on the other side of the fence. Cross over this morning. Don't stay in your half-hearted rejection. Surrender completely today. The Father has made a way through Jesus Christ. And he is the choice this morning. With every head bowed, Every eye closed. I'm just going to ask this. If you're here this morning and you've never made Christ, you've never accepted him as Savior and made him Lord, accepting him today as Savior and living each day beyond that as your Lord. If you've never taken that step, made that choice, then this is the day. I believe you. I dropped this word in my spirit for someone this morning. If you need Jesus, if you need to make him Savior and Lord today, will you choose this morning? Will you choose him? If that's you and you need to make that choice today, would you just put your hand up, back down, just say, man, I just need to make Christ Savior and Lord. Anyone. Anyone, I need to put him first. I've, I've claimed some stuff. And for me to openly admit this morning that I haven't made him Lord and Savior is going to be hanging my laundry out for the public. But it doesn't matter, folks. It doesn't matter. Don't, Jesus wasn't worried about the what. He was worried about the who. Don't worry about what's been done. Worry about who he is and who he wants to be to you this morning. If you need to make Christ Lord and Savior, this is the moment. This is the time. Anyone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, speak. Have your way in us. We yield our hearts and our lives to you. Great is the Lord. Great is the Father, thank you. Thank you that there seems to be clear choices made today. I, 
I'll say this. I'll declare this and declare the verse over this to them. You said I'd rather you be hot or cold. I don't want you lukewarm. So this morning, I thank you for every hot person in this place who's made Christ Savior and Lord in their heart and life is wholeheartedly committed to living for you each day. And I, I'm going to thank you for those who are cold, those who are out there and they don't want in right now. They've chosen. They chose. If someone's in this place and they're choosing to reject you right now, I thank you for that because I don't want them to act like there's something they're not. I, I commit to pray over this congregation and over this people and over this community. I commit to believe salvation is going to pour in this place. Healing of hearts and lives is going to pour into this place. And that there's going to be people that come to know you and some may be in this service this morning. And when they do, and they make that choice, it's going to be wholehearted, total commitment in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me. Thank you, Jesus. I would love.